BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ramble. Don't forget to subscribe to pretty basic hey guys what is up you have alicia marie here by herself today today i'm doing a solo episode because rim life is just busy you know working on some exciting projects and i was like you know what it's been a while since i've done a solo episode and I kind of low-key love solo episodes, not talking as much. I definitely get a little nervous to do it myself, but as an avid, and I mean avid podcast listener, I low-key love solo ones. I don't know what it is. I've, I'm subscribed to a lot of podcasts and sometimes I just want to hear the person just talk. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, don't get me obviously do not get me wrong. I love a good interview podcast. I love a good, um, you know, actually I don't, I was about to say I love a good murder mystery podcast, but I don't, I've only listened to a few of those. Ashley loves them though. My sister, she loves them. I get terrified, so I don't really listen to those, but needless to say, I love solo podcast episodes. I feel like I just can speak my mind and I have a lot that I feel like I want to catch you guys up on. I've done a, a handful of solo episodes before and both of those definitely centered around my mental health and anxiety and just all of that. Um, I, I don't know why I do this. I always feel like something needs to be a big put together perfect project or thing like in my head I'm I'm thinking oh I can only do talk about anxiety when it's its own solo podcast I'm like Alicia no you can talk about it now you can talk about it in the next episode it doesn't have to be this whole thing I don't know um I actually did recently talk for the first time on my vlog channel kind of opening up more about my anxiety and stuff and for those of you who are wondering it has gotten immensely immensely better I genuinely never thought I would get to this place where it feels like I am normal. I feel as though I'm myself and I definitely still get anxious at times. I definitely still wonder if I'm going to have a a health problem or something like that, but it definitely is so much more manageable now. And if you guys haven't heard those episodes and you're interested, definitely listen. Um, I'll try to have them linked in the show notes for you. So obviously I've talked about anxiety and stuff, but I've never really just had a solo episode on my own, not talking about that stuff. Now, I, I just, I don't know if anyone else feels this. I feel the energy of what this summer is going to be. 
I feel the world opening up. I believe California, I'm probably going to ruin this. I think sometime in June, bars and clubs can even open here in LA. And oh, bitch, I'm so excited. I feel like the world hasn't seen this like new confident Alicia because, um, you know, I even thought about it. I haven't, I even thought about it. I, I dyed my hair last summer, but that was still in COVID. So I feel like she's ready to hit the town. She's ready to meet people. I'm just so excited to just have a connection with people, even if it's a stranger, even if it's just someone who you meet, a friend of a friend, and maybe you're not even going to be best friends, but just to talk to someone and say like, how was your life? I feel like I have such a different appreciation for that coming out of the pandemic. Even even just talking to like grocery clerks and maybe it's also because I'm medicated now and my social anxiety is so much better. I just feel like I I'm really excited for I don't know. I just feel like there's hope and we're all feeling it open. I don't know where you live. If you live somewhere and you can't even tell there was a pandemic, um, you can still kind of tell here. But things are definitely starting to open up. and It makes me very, 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 very excited. Also, I am by the time you guys hear this, I will be completely, completely fully vexed. Um, I got my second dose last week and it definitely took me out for a little bit. It's I would say a full 24 hours of me just being really tired. It was way better than I thought. Again, I struggle with health anxiety. So there was a few times I was a little worried um, about the whole thing, but I did make the decision myself to um, go through with it. And I am so happy that I did. One more week from now is when after you get your second dose, you have to wait about two weeks or so for it to fully kick in and you can actually say that you're fully vaxxed. So one more week for me, guys, one more week. And I'm so excited. There were also a lot of things that I noticed I kind of fell out of love with during this past year. And one of those big things was I used to listen to business podcasts all the time, all the freaking time I would be reading books about business. I just loved it so much. And that really was put on the back burner because when you're sitting home and you have no motivation and you're isolating yourself because you're not talking to anyone and you're wanting to, you know, social distance, the last thing I wanted to do was hear someone tell me how they have their life together. And oh my God, I'm so productive at 5 a.m. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't want to listen to this. I'm going through it. I just want to be entertained. I do not want to feel bad about myself or feel like, I don't know. That's just how I really felt um, when it came to business type stuff, whether it was a podcast or book or anything like that. And you guys know, I love the business side of everything. Speaking of the business side, I actually did a po- <laughs> me saying how I don't want to or me saying how I didn't want to listen to all of that kind of stuff, but now I do. Now I'm fully in it, um, which is a huge thing that I actually want to talk about in this episode. You've seen the title, you clicked it, and I feel like I am on this new wave of just, oh my gosh, information, learned so much, and I'm loving it, and I want to share with you guys some stuff that I've learned. Um, Speaking of the business side, though, I did actually, guys, I was so honored to be asked to be on this podcast as you know, the guests that they interview. I was fangirling. I was, wow. 
If you guys know Ian Borthwick, also known as Ian from SeatGeek, he started a podcast. Shout out to him. And I um, and he asked me to be on his podcast. I love that episode so much. I if you guys love business, Alicia, if you love this episode, you are going to also love the interview I did with him. And it was it was just so good. I loved it. And um, yeah, so go listen to that if you haven't already. But needless to say, Business Alicia is back in action. I feel like there's lots of projects coming up. I feel like the world is just opening and everyone is ready for just just everything. So I actually got a birthday present or Christmas Christmas present from my friend Lexi Donato. She is amazing. She has her own swimwear line called LDLA. We just have such a good relationship. You've probably seen her on my Instagram stories or even in the vlogs every now and then, but she's a really good friend. And she gave me this book. That's The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. Most of you, maybe you've heard of it, although I'm assuming a lot of you also haven't. Guys, I'm only like 100 pages in out of almost 400 or 300. This book is game changing. I've already learned so much. I told my whole family about it. I told Ashley about it. I told Taryn about it. I'm making everyone get it. I told Remy about it. I am so amazed by what I've learned. I've never read a book like this. And essentially my favorite thing about this is this book is for everyone. Whether you are an employer and you have a ton of employees, you're running a business, or if you have literally no idea what you want to do with your life and you are trying to find your passion and your purpose, it's for you. Like that is what's so crazy about this to me. Everything is so tangible. And again, I've learned so much. And obviously I'm coming from an interesting perspective because I've been doing YouTube for years. I've built my business over the years and it's just an interesting perspective, but I'm even learning so much. And I, that's what I love about this so much. So essentially it's been around for a while. So guys freaking go buy it, download it. I'm not getting paid to say this. I wish I was. I'm not. I literally, oh my gosh. I've had so many friends during the pandemic start small businesses, start YouTube channels. Like if you feel like that's you where you were just wanting something different and this pandemic kind of forced you, whether you were let go or if you just quit your job or whatever it is, if you are wanting something new and to tackle on the world in a new way with your career or even just your hobbies, this is for you. Now, the the next thing I'm going to say is very cliche, but I want you to actually think about this. Um, So Timothy Ferris calls the people who have changed their career drastically, maybe tripled their income in one year. They make their own businesses, whatever they they are the people who break usual norms. And he even talks about how we as society has, you know, we've decided at some point in time that we are going to be working from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's just standard. And he literally went from working 14 hours a day, making 40 K a year to literally only working four hours and making 40 plus K a month. Guys, I don't know if you want me to say that again, but going from 40 K in a year to making $40,000 in one month. So obviously, I mean, who doesn't want that? It sounds really nice to just, you know, triple quadruple your income, you know, totally casual. His main thing is people who are able to do that think outside of the norms. Like they think of, they think outside the box. That is the most cliche thing I think all of us have heard, but there's so much truth to thinking outside the box. And again, even me from my YouTuber perspective, I was sitting here thinking it's so true. 
it would be so naive of me to look at a Q&A video, right? And think, oh, that's a stupid video. It's not going to do well, blah, 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 whatever. It's my job as a creative to say, no, let's think outside the box. How do I make a Q&A video that I, I've done years ago that I, for whatever reason, have said it's boring in my head. It's just a boring sit down video. Maybe people don't want to watch it. It's my job. Like the content itself isn't boring. It's how I package it, it's how I present it. Even a haul video. I've been doing hauls for years and it would be so naive of me as a YouTuber to say, oh, hauls are irrelevant. They don't do well. It's like, no, it's my job to think of, okay, the idea of showing someone what you bought after you went shopping, we all do it. You come home and you show your friend like, oh my God, like show me what you got when you're shopping. That will never go away because it's just an exciting thing where you, you're excited about something you've purchased or you've um, thrifted or whatever. So thinking of a haul, how can I think outside the box to still film a video that shares that excitement that's not done in an overdone, redundant way that people have done constantly for years? I think that's where us creatives get put and we put ourselves in a box because we're only trying to do things that are getting views or we'll make money or whatever. But there is such an art to being able to take something that you think is boring and making it so creative and making people invested in it. Um, I even have a lot of people ask me how I make my vlogs so interesting. And I'm like, guys, I literally show myself doing the most boring things. I show myself blow drying my hair. I show myself eating breakfast. Like the things I'm doing aren't that groundbreaking. They're actually pretty damn simple. But when you make a story out of it, when you make a storyline of making coffee, Peter McKinnon is one of my favorite YouTubers who shows he makes he literally makes cinematic movies about him making coffee, but it envelops you. You're so invested. I think that's one of the biggest things that YouTubers or influencers and obvious um obviously other musicians, artists, whoever, obviously I'm talking about YouTube because I myself am a YouTuber, that I think that's the number one thing that influencers do wrong. They think they're boring. I used to feel that way. I used to think no one will watch my life. No one's going to care about this. What is the point of showing my breakfast? Like, ooh, I had cereal. Who cares? People want to feel like they can connect to you. So when you are eating someone else's favorite cereal, they're going to notice and they're going to love that thinking, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who ate honey bunches of oats or I thought I was the only one who whatever blah or ate my cereal that weird way, whatever. Like it's all about the storyline. And I think if you're a creative, I challenge you to think outside the box. And again, it's such a cliche saying it's so cliche, but don't overlook it because it's cliche. I think I was staring at it thinking, oh, OK, think outside the box. I was like, no, Alicia, how can I actually apply this to my life where I am right now? So yeah, essentially he just goes off about saying how the people, the greatest people are different and they stand out. It also made me think of Emma Chamberlain when she came into the YouTube space. Um, we did an interview with her a few months ago, if you guys want to listen to that also. And I loved asking her how she just came into this space when at the time it was a very, very picture perfect lifestyle blogger world. And she had no problem saying, huh, that's not me. I'm going to show myself with no makeup and show my zits and show my hair not brushed and whatever. And obviously she's so successful. She has her coffee brand. She has so many projects she's working on. She works with top designers like Louis Vuitton. 
And I feel like a lot of older YouTubers can easily see that and be jealous because they think, oh, well, I've been doing it longer. Like what's so special about her? She stands out. There are so many influencers who I swear are copy and paste. And this has been something that's been hard for me to figure out over the years because I also was that way. I also just blended in with the crowd and being able to be yourself is hard. It's so hard to be different and allow yourself to show your quirky side when you're scared of being bullied or scared of haters or scared of anything. But that's the reason why someone like Emma blew up because she owned who she was. I've mentioned this in some videos before, but time and time again, my biggest pet peeve is when I'm on my subscription box. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced this. I'll be in my subscription box and I'll go to click a video because I think it's a certain YouTuber and then I click it and I'm like, wait, who is this bitch? I like, wait, who is this? I, I didn't click this video. Then I realized I accidentally clicked a different person's video thinking it was someone else. For instance, if I click a video that looks like Remy's thumbnail, her title, whatever, like I think it's Remy's video, I click it and then it's someone else's. It just makes you blend in. And I feel like if you can't tell by just the thumbnail who the person is, you're kind of not, you're not building an audience. You're not building a community. And that's the number one thing you have to do to do this job successfully. You might get views of people looking how to arrange their apartment, but they may not subscribe to you. And I think, so if you are an influencer, YouTuber, TikTok or whatever, and you're noticing that your, your views are higher than your subscribers, all I would say to you is I think people are not connecting to you in a way that they could even more because clearly people are watching but they're not feeling inclined to stick around and subscribe so that's something that I used to hate the fact that my views were lower than my subscribers because I was like where are the other six million people like why aren't they watching my video and there's pros and cons to both sides but I think that's a really cool way to think about it of so be different literally me going on and on about the word being different and that again so cliche um, so this was the interesting part, guys. This is the part that I literally stood up, put the book down, stood up, walked over, literally went everywhere just trying to find a highlighter because I wanted to write notes and highlight this book for the things he was saying. Listen, if you're not going to listen to anything else in this whole episode, I want you to listen to this. <laughs> this is groundbreaking and I'm not even hyping it up. He goes on to say, that people live their lives for retirement. And the whole goal is that you work all of your life so you can save, save, save. And then when you're in your 50s or 60s and you finally retire, you can live the dream life. He goes into why are we doing that so much? Why are we waiting to live the dream life until we're 60? What is the dream life? What is the thing people are always aiming for with all of this crazy work that we put ourselves through. So why is the dream life being able to save up to be a millionaire and then retiring when you're 60 to live the life? So he dives into this, which I think is such an interesting take. Ready for it? It's that money is neutral. People actually don't want to be a millionaire. I was like reading this. I was like, wait, what I have, I know so many people who have said their number one goal in life is to be a millionaire or just to make money. He goes on to explain that money is neutral. You don't want money. No one wants money. They want what they think comes with being a millionaire. They want what money can get them. And I think that is such 
a genius mentality to have with money. Money is great, but when you become possessive over it, when you let it rule your life, what are you living for? The line that got me was people don't want to be a millionaire. They want what they think being a millionaire gives you. So what is that? That's being able to travel whenever you want. This is also different for everyone. So if you are a millionaire, think of what you would do with that money. Would you travel? Would you be able just to not have to work much? You don't have you have security. You don't have to stress. What is it? Then he says, you can actually have all of that right now if you actually just work smarter, not harder, which that's where it got me to. I was like, OK, like, what's the tea? What's the thing? And it's so true. I've seen so many of my friends, parents or other just older people retire and be miserable because they've fantasized about retiring. Like, what's that going to be? What's it going to be like when I can finally live my life? I worked 40 plus years for this moment where now I can finally do whatever I want to do. And then they're miserable because they feel like they have no purpose. And that's crazy. I think a lot of people are either not talking about it or just now starting to talk about it. And I think it's so true. If you wake up every day and you're not happy, like something needs to change. I totally agree with people like Gary Vee. You know, you have to love what you're doing. You would rather make $40,000 a year doing something you love than making $200,000 a year being miserable in a cubicle. That's just a fact. And whether we like it or not, I'm not sure if you do, but I know plenty of people who make a lot of money and are miserable because they just are searching for so much that money isn't giving them. So essentially, the fantasy that comes with being a millionaire is really lifestyle freedom, like having the freedom of your lifestyle, being able to wake up and say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to have the freedom to do whatever I want. So obviously I'm only like 100 pages in, you guys. But if you want to start a book club, you should get it. We could read it together. What I really like that he did was he even goes in and shows like budgeting tips, advice of how to actually, if you want to have a trip to Fiji or Thailand, how to actually budget that in your your dream and how you can do that. And not in a way that you have a savings account that you constantly are having to use for other problems or issues. Another interesting thing that he said that spoke to my my heart, my bones, was he said, not even millionaires, but if you are you know, someone who works a lot, you are a workaholic, aka me. I really struggle with that, really struggle with trying not to be um, a hustle culture type person because, um, you know, mental health, (laughs) we're for that. Um, He says it's actually really interesting because most millionaires in the world or people who are like that won't retire because their life is their work. And then I started thinking about it and I'm quite a little perfectionist workaholic over here. I don't, I, I can't picture me retiring. Granted, I'm only 28 and you know, I'm going to save for my retirement. Of course, you know, if I can't physically work in any way, but if I have the opportunity to work, I, I think I want to, even my, my great aunt who was like a grandma to me, she passed when she was, I believe 92 and she worked up until the last day that she was on this earth. Like I was like, damn, damn grandma. Even really successful, successful people who have retired end up getting a side job or a side hustle because they don't know what to do because that's what they've done. We've been conditioned for years and years and years to do that. So the whole point of this is him saying, why wait till you're 60 
to do the one trip you want to, you can go to Thailand for honestly a pretty inexpensive trip. You can honestly do the things you want to do. You can go cross country. You can, you know, go to an amazing hotel, live the life, go to nice restaurants. So he goes into giving actual tips of how to do all of those. And one of them that I really liked was the 80-20 rule. There's a law that explains this law and rule and all of that kind of stuff. But basically he found out that 20% of his employees, he actually had a, I think a vitamin business, were making 80% of his sales. I'm going to say that again. A fifth of his employees were making 80% of the whole company's income. So he looks at this and realizes there is such a correlation with 80-20 and vice versa which obviously having that flipped means 80% of his employees were doing less than 20% of the sales. And now as an employer myself, I would look at that and be like, holy shit, is that true? That we need to change something. He ended up firing a lot of his employees and really, really focused on the people who were making the biggest difference. Isn't that so interesting? And when you think about it, if you are going into an office job and working at a cubicle, I'm not sure how many offices are like open now or who's working from offices because obviously we've all, all been working from home. But obviously, if you're forced to sit somewhere for eight hours on end just getting work done, it's inevitable that you're just going to waste time. So he goes into saying how when you have more of a mindful tactic for working and if you only have... 20 minutes to do something out of an hour, really focusing on those 20 minutes and you'll get more done in those 20 minutes than if you had sat there for two hours just trying to get something done and being a little lazy. He even says, this this got me, when I get really overwhelmed with something, if I have a to-do list that has 20 things on it and I feel overwhelmed, I'll kind of ignore the problem. That's one of my bad traits. <laughs> um, and he explains that being overwhelmed and not doing something is worse than being lazy and not doing something because you're just ignoring it. And I felt that deep. I was like, damn, it's so true. There's so many times where if I have my employees come over or even friends come over, I feel the need that I have to sit there and, you know, talk with them for a little bit, whatever. When in reality, if they weren't there, I definitely would be working or editing full focus, not talking, blah, blah, blah. And it made me even realize, oh, I need to make a difference in my to-do list. I need to make a difference in my schedule because there are times where I'm sitting pretending to work and I know I'm not working. I know I'm, I know the difference when I'm on my phone to be on my phone versus being on my phone because it is my job to be on social media. It's just this gut thing. And I think if we allow ourselves to listen to that, we can honestly work smarter, not harder. He really recommended having two things max a day on your to-do list. And I have always said, if you listen to the vlogs, if you want, like, I cannot multitask well because I love hyper-focusing on something. I love focusing on something and getting lost in the editing or whatever it is. And I've realized the best thing you can do is at the end of your day, feel good about your day and feel like you did your best, whatever it is. So working backwards from that, it's like, okay, every morning we should say, what's going to make me feel like my day was successful? By the end of the day, when I'm going to bed, what's going to make me smile and say, I gave it my all I did my best. It's the opposite of hustle culture, which is so crazy to me. It's an oxymoron. It's literally complete the complete opposite of hustle culture. Hustle culture tells you 
have every minute filled. I need to wake up at 5 a.m. and get my workout done at 6. And then I'm going to have this. And I'm going to have this phone call for 30 minutes. And then I'm going to clean my room. And then I'm going to do the laundry and da 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 da. And then I'm going to um, make sure I email this amount of people, blah, blah, blah. Like when your schedule is to the minute organized, now, obviously, I'm discluding anyone with severe OCD because I've realized that that's a whole different thing. When you are just doing it to feel busy, you are do like, what are you actually getting done in the day? It would be better to get one big thing done in a day than all of these small things that you've put the pressure on yourself to get done. And I thought that was so interesting because so many people, especially being here in L.A., have struggled with that. I've struggled with that too. I, I love feeling productive. So when I'm like, oh my God, I got my workout and I woke up early, blah, blah, blah. But if I still didn't get one of my big video deadlines in, then I'm still behind Alicia. It doesn't matter if you got a workout in. If the main thing isn't in, then you're, you're procrastinating. Another thing he said that I honestly did really disliked was he said, get comfortable with being told no. And that's something I've really struggled with over the years. If anyone else can relate, I'm such a people pleaser. Uh, I'm going to change my mentality. I used to be a people pleaser. I have gotten extremely better, but it does still make me feel bad when people say no to things. I always fear rejection in any way. Um, He said every single day, challenge yourself to do something that you wouldn't normally do, something out of your comfort zone, something that scares you. And guys, it's so crazy. Ever since I heard that every day, there will be something that I'm not wanting to do. Maybe it's that conversation with a friend or uh, someone you work with that you're a little nervous to do. But he says how that genuinely makes you be such a badass to be able to break the norms. You have to do things that scare you. He also had really cool analogies of making eye contact longer with a person if that's something you struggle with or bringing up a conflict that you have with someone because maybe it's scary in the moment, but it's actually going to really benefit not only your friendship, but also yourself as a person because you're not um, because you're going to learn how to communicate better, which obviously is still going to help your business. I forget the other things off the top of my head right now, but he had really good insight and tips and examples of things you can do that kind of scare the average person. And I, every day, every day, guys, there's always one moment where I do something I usually get nervous to do. This is, guys, I know someone's gonna agree with me if you have social anxiety or if you just struggle with this. Sometimes I'm even scared to call people because I'm scared that I'm gonna be interrupting them when they're busy or like FaceTiming them or something. I never just call people to say hi because I'm always terrified that they're busy. And Taylor King has actually been one person who really showed me how, no, like if that scares you, you should do it. And who, like, especially like my friends and family who obviously love me, I'm not gonna be bothering them. But like, if something like that bothers me, what's gonna make me feel like I can walk into a room and present my a huge project I'm working on and not fear rejection, right? Doing these little things actually help us so much in life. And I think that's something I'm learning in my <laughs> later 20s of why we should do things. No, maybe that scares you or terrifies you, but there's actually a huge good reason why you should do things that scare you. So that's pretty much as far as I've gotten to as of now. We'll update you guys in a vlog or something, but I highly, highly recommend this book, especially if you are like me feeling this 
sense of us being on the cusp of something, of the world opening back up, of doing something different and starting a small business or doing the thing you always wanted to do. I think now so many people were forced to and it's really cool um, hearing some of these tips and stuff. And so I challenge you to think if you were a millionaire, what would you want to do? And write them down on a list, like make a goals list and I think you would be surprised how many of those goals are actually attainable this year. And I'm going to do it too, because I do think a lot of people live so much in the future and say, oh, one day I'm going to do this or one day I'm going to do that. Why are we holding ourselves back from doing what we want to do? Like, I know that sounds so simple, but it's so true. I think now as the world's opening back up and things have obviously been changed forever since, you know, we experienced a pandemic, I think things are going to be forever different, but that doesn't mean necessarily in a bad way. I think we've all learned so much and we've learned that, you know, mental health and happiness is so much more important. And if being in a toxic work environment where you're literally at a desk for 10 hours a day making nothing, there is more than that, you know? It's scary. It's so terrifying. But if you have gotten through this last year, you can you can definitely um, go for your dreams. So hope you guys loved this solo episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Definitely um, hit me up if you liked this. Send me a tweet. Send me a DM. And I will uh, actually Remy and I will catch you next week on Pretty Basic. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, if you made it this far, just know that you are a badass bitch and you are going many places. Okay. Love you all.